This episode is brought to you by Merrick Pet Care. We have a dog. Her name is Sasha. She's almost four. She's a standard poodle. She's got curly, fluffy, soft black hair, and she's very adorable. And she's a part of our family, and we care a lot about taking good care of her. And that includes feeding her high-quality dog food like Merrick's. Founded in Hereford, Texas, Merrick has been crafting high-quality dog food for over 30 years. Real is Merrick's recipe. They always use deboned meat, fish, or poultry as the number one ingredient. Merrick creates homestyle recipes like Real Texas Beef and Sweet Potato or Grammy's Pot Pie, so you can feel good about what you're feeding your pet. I mean, you know, you come home from being out, and your dog is there to greet you, and, like, that's one of the best things about having a pet, you know? You come home, the dog's happy to see you, and they're hungry. And you want to reciprocate that good feeling they give you. When you walk in the door, you want to give to them in the form of some high-quality food. So check out Merrick online or in your local pet store and look for their new packaging with real ingredients shown on the bag and inside it. I'm standing in the middle of a supermarket parking lot in Harrison, New York, about 25 miles north of New York City. And the guy I'm supposed to meet here is late. But when he does show up, he's easy to find because he's driving a big red fire truck. Usually I'd like to get here a little earlier and like just like start prepping everything out, you know. This is A.J. Fusco. He's a firefighter in town. He's cooking lunch at the firehouse today and he's behind schedule. He was late to meet me because he was on a call, which, of course, I understand. But he has to answer to the guys at the firehouse who are already getting hungry. Fortunately, A.J.'s got a strategy. We'll have Donnie make the guac first. So that way when they start getting antsy, like, oh, well, you know, when's lunch? When's lunch ready? Whatever. We have something for them to pick on and keep, you know, keep them quiet. What's the, what, at what point do they really start getting restless? Is there a time? You're like, one o'clock is like, you're pushing lunch at one o'clock. We used to work with a guy, he just retired, 12 o'clock on the dot. Every day he'd whistle into the intercom, <laughs> you know, lunch. But he's, he just retired. So we don't, it's not as much pressure on us anymore. But still, at 1 o'clock, you're going to have some angry firefighters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, I mean, I'm hungry now, you know, so I'll probably be a little hangry myself. It's part of, like, the dynamic of firehouse cooking. You never know when you're going to have to stop. This is The Sporkful. It's not for foodies, it's for eaters. I'm Dan Pashman. Each week on our show, we obsess about food to learn more about people. Today on the show, can AJ get lunch on the table before the crew mutinies? Or will a call come in and ruin the whole meal? There are a lot of great firehouse cooks out there, but AJ's a little different because he went to culinary school. He's also done some moonlighting as a chef at an upscale restaurant in New York City. As you'll hear, that work has more in common with being a firefighter than you'd think. As we enter the grocery store, AJ tells me today he's making chicken tinga tacos. Chicken tinga is spicy Mexican shredded chicken. AJ's crewmate Donnie is pitching in with his world-famous guac. So AJ, as you're walking through the supermarket, are you thinking about who's on duty? Who's your audience for that day? A hundred percent. So our normal crew is me, Donnie, and, and so the guy Rob you're going to meet. I know them like the back of my hand as far as what they like, what they don't like. But then if a guy's coming in on maybe an overtime or a mutual shift and now I got to figure out, okay, he doesn't like rice, but the other guy doesn't like pasta. So now I got to like figure out another carb situation because that's very important. Need carbs. <laughs> bakery, please pick up line three. Bakery, line three, please. So AJ knows his audience, but he likes pushing the guys to try something new. 
I'm going to get some cotilla cheese. Okay. Normally, it'd be like shredded cheddar or something like that. Are we going to tell the guys it's cotija cheese, or you're just going to tell them it's... No, they actually like this. Okay. Because I said it was like a Parmesan cheese, <laughs> which really isn't. We'll get to the cooking and eating at the firehouse. But right now, let's hit pause on that story. And let's spend a little more time with A.J. Fusco. He was born and raised in Harrison. His family's lived there forever. His dad's a cop there. His uncles are volunteer firefighters there. AJ is soft-spoken, but he has a quiet intensity about him. It's easy for me to imagine him doing well in pressure situations, even enjoying it. He's been a full-time firefighter since 2005, which is also when he started getting into cooking. The cooking got serious once I got hired uh, with the fire department. That, that's kind of like when it took off. Why? I think it was because I was no longer cooking for myself. I was cooking for the guys I worked with. And then guys started telling me they liked it and, oh, make that again. Or we really liked what you made last tour. You know, once I started hearing those things, I was like, man, this is cool. I like this. When you first started getting into cooking school and cooking professionally, I gather that the guys in the firehouse were very supportive. And you said that they like helped you with changing your shifts and all that, you know. But do they also kind of give you a hard time about it? Yeah, a little bit, especially in the beginning. So I would get the, you know, oh, we're all fancy now kind of deal or my cooking style change where I'm making all different sauces now, you know, coming from like a French trained school. So they would bust my chops about that. And then if you screw up, now you've got this whole, oh, well, you went to culinary school and you're still burning toast in the toast oven, <laughs> which true story has happened. And it's like, I just paid a lot of money for culinary school and I'm still burning I toast. I still can't make toast. Yeah. You've got a lot more to live up to, you know, more expectations to, to live up to for sure. What part of your firefighter training comes in handy when you're working as a cook? You know, dealing with a stressful job. I don't know. You don't have time to really think. You just do it. You know, and I think the same thing with like the fire thing, you know, it's kind of like, just do it, get it done. You know what you have to do, but you don't overthink it. And, you know, there's the adrenaline behind it. And what about what is working in a restaurant kitchen? How has that affected your work as a firefighter? Here, it's kind of like we're all kind of in the same boat, you know, that same level, you know, whether it's economic or, or socially or whatever. In the restaurant, I'm dealing with people that are just trying to make ends meet. I'm blessed for what I've got, you know, and these people are really working hard. I don't know. I just feel like I'm a little more compassionate towards them, I guess. When we recorded this episode in 2018, AJ was moonlighting as a chef at White Gold Butchers. It was an upscale butcher shop and restaurant in New York City. When he's cooking in the firehouse, he loves to bring in the foods he's learned about in the restaurant. For AJ, growing up in an Italian-American family, tacos meant shredded iceberg lettuce, black olives, Ortega seasoning. Today, AJ's making tacos with limes and cotija cheese. That's the crumbly white cheese traditionally served with tacos. Sometimes the other firefighters are skeptical of these unfamiliar ingredients. That doesn't stop AJ from trying to up his game. The first time I made tacos here, I could probably guarantee, I don't remember, but I could probably guarantee you I never toasted the tortillas. The first time I made family meal in the restaurant, which to me is a direct correlation to making food here. That's like the meal for the staff when you yeah, cook for the exactly. staff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you cook for the staff. First time I did it, I heated the tortillas up just enough to like where to get the chill off them because they were in the refrigerator, and that was it. And in a very nice way, my buddy Javier pulled me aside and said, "Dude, make them sexy. You know? <laughs> Put some char on them." And he showed me how to do it, and it tasted so much better, you know. And it's like little things like that that they've taught me 
that I'm able to bring here and kind of like not I don't tell them when I'm doing it. I don't want them to have to think too much. I want them to just enjoy the food. And I know that that you've done a lot to try to introduce some of the guys here in the firehouse to different ingredients, different right. dishes. Why is it important to you to try to provide the word authentic is always sort of like a problematic term, but like for lack of a better term, like why is that a priority for you to introduce the guys in the firehouse to a more authentic version of these foods? Once I experienced what a real Mexican taco was, I was like, man, this is amazing. It's kind of like Italian food, you know, it's simple, you know, simple ingredients done well. And when it comes to cooking for these guys, I want them to experience that as well. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know, a lot of the guys I work with, they wouldn't be the ones to go to like a high-end restaurant. So maybe another part of it is make them food that they might never even get a chance to experience. That's something I could offer them. Sometimes I drift back into that macho firefighter mentality and then I go back into like the chef mentality. But even to me, chefs and cooks, you know, kind of have that blue collar attitude too. You're working hard, you're working long hours. You're doing things that most people don't want to do. They want to reap the rewards of your cooking. You know, they, they don't want to sit there in a hot kitchen. So I think we, we kind of relate on that way. Well, it's funny because when I first saw that you're working at White Gold, and it's like, that's April Bloomfield's place, and she's like high-end, you know, very well-known, big-time chef in New York City. My first knee-jerk reaction was like, oh, that's, that must be such a different culture from a firehouse. But then I thought, well, but really, I mean, it may be fancy out front, but a kitchen's a kitchen. Yeah, it's so similar in ways I've never thought they would be. It's hot, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, there's usually fire, right? Things have to be done a certain way, and it's usually under pressure. There's usually You're usually working with somebody else, and you, maybe you don't get along with them all the time, or they might want to do it differently, whether it's plating the dish or whether it's cutting the door open to the car. All these things, and I'm like, geez, it's, like, it's literally like working in the firehouse. Coming up, we'll hear about the role some of the other firefighters in the department have played in AJ's journey. With AJ going going to culinary school, we were his his guinea pigs. So if something sucks, they're going to let you know, and you're probably never going to make it again. And we'll leave the supermarket with a fire truck full of groceries and a deadline fast approaching. Probably better, more comfortable sitting. Okay, cool, thanks. I am riding in the fire truck. Saute, you stay, because it's time for some ads. In the Pashman household, we're already big fans of Tillamook shredded cheese. In fact, I used it in developing many recipes in my cookbook, and now I'm getting into their ice cream. Tillamook ice cream is made with more cream, so you get smooth and dreamy scoops each time. You may not realize it, but this is why a lot of the store-bought ice cream doesn't taste the same as what you get in, like, in an ice cream parlor. But with Tillamook, they don't skimp on the cream. These people know dairy, okay? Tillamook makes a great, rich vanilla ice cream with real crushed vanilla bean seeds. They have an Oregon strawberry, sweet strawberry ice cream with ripe Oregon strawberry pieces. The one that I really love is the mudslide flavor, a smooth chocolate ice cream with a ribbon of rich fudge and chocolatey chips. You want to move the spoon around to get fudgy and chocolatey chips and the ice cream all in the same bite each time, and it's just so, so nice. 
And like I said, I just trust Tillamook when it comes to dairy. They make over 200 different dairy products, and the brand is farmer-owned and led by dairy experts. Find Tillamook ice cream near you at Tillamook.com. That's T-I-L-L-A-M-O-O-K.com. A few years back, my friend Justin Warner from Food Network moved out to South Dakota. He opened a ramen joint, and he is always posting pictures of all the great food he's not only cooking, but eating all over South Dakota. He's always telling me to come visit. And you know, one of the best ways to experience a new place is to eat your way through it. But it's equally important to live your way through it, too. And when you summer in South Dakota, you can fill up on all the lake days, hikes, rides, and small-town strolls that'll leave you with a regained sense of wonder and a hunger to do it all over again. See why there's so much South Dakota, so little time at Travel South Dakota. I enjoy a nice glass of wine, but I don't pretend to be an expert in wine. I usually just want a wine that's high quality, delicious, and not too expensive. And to me, that's Bogle Family Vineyards. And here's the thing about Bogle. This is a third-generation family-owned winery from California that makes exceptional wines for about 10 bucks a bottle. Bogle wines consistently earn best buy designations and high ratings from wine enthusiasts. And let me tell you something. The folks at Wine Enthusiast They drink a lot of wine. They drink a lot of fancy, expensive wine. And yet they still keep giving great ratings to Bogle. And Bogle Vineyards has so many different kinds of wine. Whatever your mood, whatever you're eating, there's a wine for you. they got this great Pinot Grigio that's crisp and fruity, goes well with spicy foods, with fish. They have a classic Chardonnay that's balanced, amazing, with a pork tenderloin or butter chicken. I like to take that Chardonnay and do what Jacques Pepin taught me, a couple of ice cubes in your glass of Bogle. If Jacques Pepin says it's okay, then it's okay. And there's the Bogle Pinot Noir, refined and elegant with bright fruit and about as food-friendly as a red wine can be. You're not going to believe it's only $10. Neither will your friends if you tell them. So pick up a few bottles of Bogle wherever you buy your favorite wines. Please drink responsibly. I just got a very wonderful shipment of goodies from the folks at Reese's. And let me tell you something. These people remain the absolute worldwide leaders in bringing together chocolate and peanut butter. Of course, we know that peanut butter cups remain transcendent. But have you tried the Reese's Sticks? They're wafers with peanut butter in between each wafer, all coated in chocolate. I mean, the combination of sweet chocolate and salty peanut butter just brings people joy, and the folks at Reese's do it better than anyone. So shop Reese's Peanut Butter Cups now at a store near you, found wherever candy is sold. Welcome back to This Forkful. I'm Dan Pashman. Oh, you got to check out last week's show. This is a big one. We uncover a New Jersey whiskey mystery. Six years ago, Akil and Nisha Dayal found a whiskey bottle at an estate sale that seemed to come out of nowhere. They couldn't find any information online about the brand or the inn it was supposedly bottled for. So we decided to take on the case to try to learn where this mysterious whiskey came from. The address is uh, 237 Palisade Avenue in Garfield. No business is coming up. I'm on Google Earth right now. What's this one? No. The Chinese restaurant is 235 Palisade Avenue, Garfield, New Jersey. The very next house, 239. There is no 237 Palisade Avenue in Garfield, New Jersey. (laughs) Whoa. As we get closer to learning the truth, we discover this story is about a lot more than just a bottle of liquor. So I'm gonna share my screen with you. I'm gonna show you a picture of the bottle. You ready? Oh, Oh my God. It's crazy. Are you serious? This is a great story. I hope you'll check it out. It's up now. Okay, back to the show. After going grocery shopping, we got back to the firehouse. The firefighters are split into crews, so they're usually scheduled to work with the same group, their regular crew. A single shift is 24 hours, from 7 a.m. to 7 a.m. 
So during that time, a crew isn't just working together, they're living together. And firefighters are creatures of habit. They like their routine, maybe because the other part of the job can be so unpredictable. In the morning, it's housework and truck checks. In the afternoon, training. And meals are supposed to happen on time. In his crew, AJ is the primary chef. Then there's Rob. He's kind of quiet. He usually does the dishes. He joined the department a few years after AJ. Finally, there's Donnie. He's a little older. He's got a salt and pepper mustache. He's been in the department for 20 years. Donnie's the one who's making the guac today. As he and AJ cook, Rob peeks in every few minutes to see when the food will be ready, which seems to make AJ and Donnie a little nervous. I guess we don't want to see Rob get hangry. While AJ is the one who went to culinary school, I can tell Donnie knows his way around the kitchen. As he assembles his guac, his jalapeno chopping skills look pretty solid to me. Don, do you cook at home? Uh, on occasion. On occasion. Uh, my family doesn't like what I cook. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to like things a little bit more spicy. I like peppers. Like, I like uh, bell peppers. I like those kind of, like, that kind of texture kind of stuff. Mushrooms and those sorts of things. And they more like uh, chicken nuggets and french fries. <laughs> <laughs> so the firehouse is where you can come for, like, more adventurous eating. Yes. So, so Don, what do people most often uh, bust AJ's chops about? Uh, his height. <laughs> Mostly his height, you know, about how, you know, how he, he needs a step ladder to get into the truck. And, you know, he shops at the kids' section of the, you know, Kmart and all that. So, you know. And what about when he first started cooking here? Uh, Did people bust his chops for that? Yeah, well, a little bit here and there, you know. Like uh, Donnie says the guys still tease AJ about the first time he cooked in the firehouse. He made beer can chicken, where you put a can of beer in a chicken's cavity and then stand the whole bird up on a grill. AJ tells the story. Yeah, I'd done it a couple times at home, so I was like, oh, I got this, you know. It looks fancy. It's a nice, you know, display. So I, I put it on the grill, but I didn't turn the middle burners off. And so, you know, when, when chicken cooks, the fat renders and it drips. And it hit the fire, and we're sitting in the kitchen, and one of the guys, he's retired now, but he says, hey, uh, there's supposed to be that much smoke out there? <laughs> and it was pretty much a fully involved grill fire. Oh. It was AJ's first fire? I called, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, that was I, AJ's I, first job. He said it himself. Yeah. <laughs> I called it uh, blackened chicken, though. So, you know, I, I salvaged it. We took the skin off. So uh, the first meal you cooked in the firehouse, you started a fire. Yes. That's what you're telling me. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's the first one that I remember, so might as well be. There's been plenty of mishaps since then. Oh, speaking of mishaps. Rob, come here, Rob. Introduce yourself. Rob, this is your other part of your group who just walked yeah, by. Exactly. Rob never cooks when I'm working because he knows I'll do it, right? But I come to find out he cooks when he's working with other guys. So I said, oh, that's interesting. So I'm busting his shops one day. I'm like, oh, I heard you made chicken piccata the other night. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I made it. I said, well, that's good, because next time we work, you're going to make it for me. And he did. He made it. In the process of making it, he managed to spill about five gallons of boiling hot water on the ground, <laughs> light a paper towel on fire at the same time, and shatter the top to the, to the pot. So... <laughs> oh, oh, and then cover himself with flour when he was getting ready to flour the chicken. But I will say this. It was damn good chicken pagata. It, it was a really good dish. Rob, can I respond? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to get a lot out of it.
So the chicken is on the stove. You seasoned it. Well, give me a quick list of what you seasoned the chicken with. Um, garlic powder, cayenne, paprika, oregano. Actually, no cayenne, sorry. Because uh, I'm using the adobo. I don't want to go too crazy. Uh, oregano, paprika, salt, pepper. I thought I had chili powder. I don't. I usually like to gr actually grind my own and bring it in. But I forgot to do that. My bad. Let me wash these peppers real quick. In addition to trying to cook a little gourmet, AJ also tries to cook pretty healthy in the firehouse. Today he's making sautéed mushrooms and peppers for vegetarian tacos to go with the chicken. While he works, I poke around the kitchen. Each crew has their own pantry cabinet, kind of like roommates who each get their own shelf in the fridge. But so let's compare your pantry to the others. What is that? What's that one right there? This, Mirin. Mirin? This is something that I never told him I use this. But... <laughs> But, you know, it's just a, it's a cooking wine. It's a, a Japanese cooking wine. You have the mirin, the, the red wine vinegar. You've got panko breadcrumbs. Now, let's check out the next, yeah, yeah, the next uh, group's pantry. You're not going to want to even they probably have, eat half of this. Yeah, they have uh, <laughs> five, they, they five have. cans of jellied cranberry sauce. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm pretty sure Ocean Spray doesn't even use that logo anymore. <laughs> you got... Red clam sauce. Red clam sauce that, that looks so old that the label is coming yeah, off the can. Yeah, the glue, the glue is uh, expired. Yeah, they've got Ricola cough drops <laughs> and like a gallon jug of iced tea powder. That gets used. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would just say that I would rather be in your squad, AJ. <laughs> so do you feel like you're on the clock right now? Do you feel some urgency? Definitely. It's quarter to one. Remember I was saying like that one o'clock uh, deadline is coming up. And I could tell Rob's already... He was kind of hovering a little bit. You could see he popped in, kind of checking in. I think we're looking at like a 1.30 eat time here. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, you just got an angry look from Rob over there. <laughs> <laughs> Donnie gets his guac on the table, and it is really good. Perfect balance between salt and citrus and heat, and then just a great crunch from the little bits of jalapeno. Rob stops pacing outside and comes in to snack. And I finally get him to talk to me. Rob, I see you spooning little dollops of guacamole onto each chip individually. You seem to have put a lot of thought into this, pro into this process. Tell me about it. <laughs> Cheap chips, they break in this also. Oh. We've got to solve the problem. So you're, so you're concerned about the structural integrity of the chips? Actually, I was concerned about sticking my finger in the guac wow, yeah. when the chip broke. So if everybody else uses a spoon... Nobody has to stick their fingers in it. So you're concerned with hygiene is what you're telling me. Yeah, big time. I'm the guy with, you know, I have to get my chips first before anybody else sticks their hand in the bag. They all make fun of me around here for it, but. No, I mean, I think we all, for the most part, try to adhere to that rule. Now, mm -hmm. now it took a couple years. Right, but... you, you've trained this well. <laughs> <laughs> a couple tantrums, you know, after they did it. Is there anyone in the department who just absolutely refuses to observe your rule? Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> I've not eaten meals because guys are refused to do certain things. And This may be like a dumb question coming from a non-firefighter, but I mean, like, don't you get dirty in your work? Eating and your daily life is totally different. When it comes to eating, got to eat right, got to eat clean. At this point, the meal is getting close. AJ has multiple pans on the stove, chicken sauteing, sauce simmering. He's putting some hot peppers right on the flame to char the outside of them. Everything is coming together. So, so you're sitting here right now. There's chicken on the stove. At any second right now, an alarm could go off and you guys could have to drop everything. Oh yeah, 
the stove's getting turned off. Not even going to cover the pan, probably. You never know. That's it, part of the whole, like I was saying, you, you try to tailor your menu to something that's kind of firehouse friendly. So like, what's an example of a food that like you would love to cook, but it just doesn't make sense because of the logistics of, of a possible alarm at any moment? Like shrimp is kind of a huge gamble. And, you know, I'd love to make like a nice shrimp scampi, but I hate overcooked shrimp. We like stews. One pot meals are great. Anything that, you know, you could keep in, in the oven, even if you have to shut the oven off and it, it's, it's not going to overcook, something like that, that's always good. That's a big reason why Firehouse Chili has such a long history. In an emergency, chili is the kind of thing you can just leave on the stove for hours. So, Rob, how have your eating habits changed since AJ started cooking here? I've tried a bunch of things I probably would have never tried if I didn't work with him. Like what, what have been some of the ones, some of the, some of the successes and some of the failures? Oh, the quinoa for sure is a success. I really okay. like it. What, what else did I try with you? The kale. The kale is a new thing. Uh, cauliflower mash. That was something I would probably say I'd never, ever eat, um, but it was good. Uh, Fail-wise, I don't know. It made mushy peas one day. That's terrible. I don't like peas. That's it. Like it there's no other situation. I, I love like split pea soup. That's it. <laughs> it's a texture thing, though. I get it. I get that. Yeah, that texture, taste, everything. I don't like peas. At about 1.30, lunch is ready. Later than normal, but fortunately, no one was too upset about it. And there were no calls to delay the feast. Now, some firehouses have a lot of rules at mealtime. No phones at the table. Probies or rookies have to sit with their backs to the TV. Some have a family hour after dinner where everyone is required to stay at the table and talk. In Harrison, they aren't so strict, but they do observe a couple of cardinal rules. If you cook, you don't set the table, and you don't do dishes. AJ laid out the chicken, sautéed veggies, onions, cilantro, hot sauce. Rob did raise an eyebrow at the cotija cheese. You've eaten it before. Just asking. <laughs> you ask every time. I'm eat it anyway. It's just I'd like to know what I'm eating. Actually, I really don't care. <laughs> That's that cotilla stuff. Yeah, I like that. It's, one, it's a little bit bigger than normal. I thought everything was fantastic. The sauce on the chicken had a deep, peppery spice. The tortillas were charred, nice and sexy, the way Javier told AJ to do it. But as good as I thought it was, AJ felt there was room for improvement. I would have liked to reduce that a little bit. Reduce the sauce some more? Yeah, it's a little, like, soupy for me. And um, I probably should have made more mushrooms. (laughs) It looks looks like the whole firehouse is going vegetarian. (laughs) I'm working on it. All right, you know what? (laughs) You cook next time. Let me get the the cheese while that's still allowed on the table. (laughs) Don, what's your take on today's meal? I'm going to give the tacos a two. And the guacamole a five wow. six. <laughs> you seem a little biased, though. <laughs> no, I'm not biased at all. No, the tacos are excellent. Everything yeah. is excellent. As always, our crew is good. He cooks, we eat. He knows what we don't like, so he'll accommodate us without us even asking. Other crews, as far as food-wise, they have to have a 45-minute discussion, argument about what they're going to eat. Who gets offended if you don't want, to eat, eat, don't want to eat with them? So there's a lot of dynamics in the firehouse when it comes to food. Right. Well, general, you guys yeah. spend a lot of time together. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that's part. I mean, like every, every job, 
you know, has its personality conflicts and dynamics. And that's just part of like being a human being and having a job. But like you guys spend long stretches together and sometimes have really intense work to do together. So I'm sure that makes it a little different from a typical. I mean, at the, at the least, five. at the least we're together for 24 hours. You know, some, sometimes it's 36, 48 hours straight. We're, we're all together. And yeah, you could go into a different room, but it doesn't mean you have to not work together in a little bit on, on a call or something like that. You got to have to put that aside. So when you guys are out on an especially tough call and you come back, what goes on here at the at the kitchen table? The kitchen is like kind of like a therapist's office. So if there is something that's bothering you, whether it's work-related or personal life-related, you know, guys don't have too much. I, I don't think guys have a problem kind of like airing it out, you know, and, and kind of getting it off their chest or whatever it may be. The kitchen table is like, you know, the center point or the, the focal point of of the firehouse. So we settle all of our, uh, all of the world's problems at the uh, kitchen table. That's AJ Fusco, Donnie Dearborn, and Rob Porto from the Harrison Fire Department. AJ is no longer working as a chef, but he's spreading the word about great firehouse cooking around the world on his blog and Instagram page, Fork and Hose. You can check out the firefighters in Yuba City, California, who are making pozole. In Vancouver, they're cooking up salmon eggs Benedict. And at the Mohegan Tribal Fire Department in Connecticut, they whipped up some scallop crudo with pickles, ramps, golden beet, and hot honey puree. Holy crap, that sounds good. Oh my gosh. Anyway, check out AJ's Instagram at Fork and Hose Co. And I'll tag him in my post too. And while you're on Instagram, follow me at The Sporkful. Please take a minute right now and connect with our show in your podcasting app. Subscribe or follow or favorite whatever the button is for you in Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify. Please hit it right now while you're listening. That way you won't miss future episodes and we can hang out more. Thanks. Next week on the show, the one and only Claire Saffitz. She's got a new book out called What's for Dessert? We talk about holiday baking, cooking with your loved ones, and we answer some burning listener questions. That's next week. Don't miss it. This episode was originally produced by Ann Sandy and me. Peter Clowney edited this episode with engineering help from John Delore. This update was produced by Emma Morgenstern and Andres O'Hara and mixed by Jared O'Connell with music help from Black Label Music. The Sporkful is a production of Stitcher. Our executive producers are Eric Eddings and Colin Anderson. Until next time, I'm Dan Pashman. And I'm Shanine Shelby from Columbus, Ohio, reminding you to eat more, eat better, and eat more better. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.